Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for the original for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to uh, maybe close to 11 a.m. Eastern. Today, we are continuing our reading in Chapter 31. All good. We're continuing our reading from Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation, with Section 3, The Self-Accused. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, led by the wonderful Fran. Uh, And that lesson is Lesson 328, I Choose the Second Place to gain the first. Lori, do you have an opening you'd like to share with us this morning? Uh, I do. One second. You. Something just a little bit different, um, but very thought-provoking in regard to this lesson and reading. It's a story from Paulo Coelho. It goes like this. A young couple moved into a new house. The next morning, while they were eating breakfast, the young woman saw her neighbor hanging the washing outside. Quote, that laundry is not very clean. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Perhaps she needs better soap powder. Her husband looked on, remaining silent. Every time her neighbor hung out her washing to dry, the young woman made the same comments. A month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice, clean wash on the line and said to her husband, look, she's finally learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her this. The husband replied, I got up early this morning and cleaned our windows. (laughs) And so it is with life. What we see when watching others depends on the clarity of the windows through which we look. So don't be too quick to judge others, especially if your perspective of life is clouded by anger, jealousy, negativity, or unfulfilled desires. Judging a person does not define who they are. It defines who you are. I choose the second place to gain the first. Amen. 
Thank oh, you for that wow. one. I love it. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. That, oh, that wow. Was great, Lori. Good. Thank and, you. And funny. Thank you. Funny. <laughs> nice story. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. I knew it had to be a punchline in there somewhere. That was great. I cleaned the window. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Apropos for the day. You bet. Totally. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Lori. <clears throat> um, okay, so with us in reading this morning, I have Lori, Donna, Yvonne, Judy, Micah, and Harrison. With us in listening, I have Ida and Roz. Is uh, there anyone else who's joined us who would like to just say good morning or join the reading one? Friends. <laughs> Fran, I joined you. Oh, Fran. Okay. Yeah, Fran. <laughs> Put Fran there right after Lori. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Thank and, you. Uh, Jessica's here, too, and I can read. Thank you, Jessica. Good morning, it's Karen. I can read. Thank you, Karen. Great. Welcome. We have half again. Now we have more readers than paragraphs in a short section. So maybe we can read it twice. Yeah, that's always good. Okay. I'll get it started here with uh Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation. The Simplicity of Salvation. In Section 3, The Self-Accused. In Paragraph 26, Only the the self-accused condemn. As you prepare to make a choice that will result in different outcomes, there is first one thing that must be overlearned. It must become a habit of response so typical of everything you do that it becomes your first response to all temptation and to every situation that occurs. Learn this and learn it well, for it is here delay of happiness it is shortened by a span of time you cannot realize. You never hate your brother for his sin, but only for your own. Whatever form his sins appear to take, it but obscures the fact that you believe them to be yours and therefore meriting a, quote, just attack. Lauren. Uh, Chapter 31, The Simplicity of Salvation, Section 3, Self-Accused. Only the self-accused condemn. And as you prepare to make a choice, 
that will result in different outcomes, there is first one thing that must be overlearned. It must become a habit of response, so typical of everything you do, that it becomes your first response to all temptation and to every situation that occurs. Learn this and learn it well. For it is here, delay of happiness is shortened by a span of time you cannot realize. You never hate your brother for his sins, but only for your own. Whatever form his sins appear to take, it but obscures the fact that you believe them to be yours, and therefore meriting a so-called just attack. 27. Why should his sins be sins? if you did not believe that they could not be forgiven in you? Why are they real in him if you did not believe that they were your reality? And why do you attack them everywhere except to hate yourself? Are you a sin? You answer yes whenever you attack, for by attack do you assert that you are guilty and must give as you deserve. And what can you deserve but what you are? If you did not believe that you deserved attack, it would never occur to you to give attack to anyone at all. Why should you? What would be the gain to you? What could be the out what could the outcome be that you would want? And how could murder bring you benefit? Thank you, Lori. And France. 27. Why should his sins be sins if you did not believe they could not be forgiven in you? Why are they real in him if you did not believe that they are your reality? And why do you attack them everywhere except you hate yourself? Are you a sin? You answer yes whenever you attack. For by attack do you assert that you are guilty and must give as you deserve. And what can you deserve but what you are? If you did not believe that you deserved attack, it never would occur to you to give attack to anyone at all. Why should you? What would be the gain to you? What could the outcome be that you would want? And how could murder bring you benefit? 28. Sins are in bodies. They are not perceived in minds. They are not seen as purposes but actions. Bodies act and minds do not. And therefore must the body be at fault for what it does. It is not seen to be a passive thing, obeying your commands and doing nothing of itself at all. If you are sin, you are a body, for the mind acts not. And purpose must be in the body, not the mind. The body must act on its own and motivate itself. If you are sin, you lock the mind within the body and you give its purpose to its prison house, which acts instead of it. A jailer does not follow orders, but enforces orders on the prisoner. Thank you, friend. And Tonda. Twenty-eight. Sins are in the bodies. 
They are not perceived in minds. They are not seen as purpose, but actions. Bodies act and minds do not, and therefore must the body be at fault for what it does. It is not seen to be a passive thing, obeying your commands and doing nothing of itself at all. If you are sin, you, you are a body, for the mind acts not, and purpose must be in the body, not the mind. The body must act on its own and motivate itself. If you are sin, you lock the mind within the body, and you give its purpose to its prison house, which acts instead of it. A jailer does not follow orders, but enforces orders on the prisoner. 29. Yet, is the body prisoner and not the mind? The body thinks no thoughts. It has no power to learn, to pardon, nor enslave. It gives no orders that the mind needs serve, nor sets, condition, nor sets conditions that it must obey. It holds in prison, but the willing mind that would abide in it, it sickens at the bidding of the mind that would become its prisoner, and it grows old and dies because that mind is sick within itself. Learning is all that causes change, and so the body where no learning can occur could never change unless the mind preferred the body change in its appearance to suit the purpose given by the mind. For it can learn, and there is all change made. Thank you, Donna and Yvonne. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Lemoyne. 29. Yet is the body prisoner and not the mind. The body thinks no thoughts. It has no power to learn, to pardon, nor enslave. It gives no orders that the mind needs serve, nor sets conditions that it must obey. It holds in prison but the willing mind that would abide in it. It sickens at the bidding of the mind that would become its prisoner, and it grows old and dies because that mind is sick within itself. Learning is all that causes change, and so the body, where no learning can occur, could never change unless the mind preferred the body change in its appearances to suit the purpose given by the mind. For it can learn, and there is all change made. 30. The mind that thinks it is a sin has but one purpose, that the body be the source of sin, and keep it in the prison house it chose, and guard, and hold itself at bay, a sleeping prisoner to the snarling dogs of hate and evil, sickness and attack, of pain and age, of grief and suffering. Here are the thoughts of sacrifice preserved, for here guilt rules and orders that the world be like itself, 
a place where nothing can find mercy and survive the ravages of fear, except in murder and in death. For here are you made sin, and sin cannot abide the joyous and the free, for they are enemies which sin must kill. In death is sin preserved, and those who think they are sin must die for what they think they are. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Judy. Here I am. Thank you, Lemoyne. The mind that thinks it is a sin has but one purpose, that the body be the source of sin, to keep it in the prison house. It chose and guards and holds itself at bay. A sleeping prisoner to the snarling dogs of hate and evil, sickness and attack of pain and age and grief and suffering. Here are the thoughts of sacrifice preserved, for here guilt rules and orders that the world be like itself, a place where nothing can find mercy nor survive the ravages of fear except in murder and in death. For here are you made sin, and sin cannot abide the joyous and the free, for they are enemies which sin must kill. In death is sin preserved, and those who think that they are sin must die for what they think they are. Holy mackerel. Let us be glad that you will see what you believe and that it has been given you to change what you believe. The body will but follow. Amen. (laughs) It can never lead you where you would not be. It does not guard your sleep nor interfere with your awakening. Release your body from imprisonment and you will see no one as prisoner to what you have escaped. This is my prayer, kids. You will not want to hold in guilt your chosen enemies nor keep in chains to the illusion of a changing love. The ones you think are friends. Oh, that's it. Thank you, Judy. Free from pain, thank you. And Micah. Okay, uh, 31. Let us be glad that you will see what you believe and that it has been given you to change what you believe. The body will but follow. It can never lead you where you would not be. It does not guard your sleep nor interfere with your awakening. Release your body from imprisonment and you will see no one as prisoner to what you have escaped. You will not want to hold in guilt your chosen enemies nor keep in chains to the illusion of a changing love the ones you think are friends. 32. The innocent release 
in gratitude for their release. And what they see upholds their freedom from imprisonment and death. Open your mind to change, and there will be no ancient penalty exacted from your brother or yourself. For God has said there is no sacrifice that can be asked. There is no sacrifice that can be made. Thank you, Micah. And uh, Harrison, conclude the 32. The innocent release and gratitude for their release and what they see upholds their freedom from imprisonment and death. Open your mind to change and there will be no ancient penalty exacted from your brother or yourself. For God has said there is no sacrifice that can be asked. There is no sacrifice that can be made. Thank you, Eric. And the section short enough. We have enough readers. I think we can we can just read again. But before we do, let me ask: Is there anyone else who's joined to like to say good morning or join the reading? Morning. This is Sandra. I can read. Good morning, Sandra. Welcome. Right.
You never hate your brother for his sin, but only for your own. Whatever form his sins appear to take, it but obscures the fact that you believe them to be yours and therefore meriting a so-called just attack. Thank you, Jessica. Fran? Oh, I did that wrong. I'm sorry. Karen. <laughs> Just all the new readers there. My bad. Karen, would you read 27? 27. Why should his sins be sins? If you did not believe, they could not be forgiven in you. Why are they real in him? If you did not believe that they are your reality. And why do you attack them everywhere? except you hate yourself. Are you a sin? You answer yes. Whenever you attack, or by attack, do you assert that you are guilty and must give as you deserve? And what can you deserve but what you are? If you did not believe that you deserved attack, it would never occur to you to give attack to anyone at all. Why should you? What would be the gain to you? What could the outcome be that you would want? And how could murder bring you benefit? Thank you, Karen. And Sandra. Okay, what paragraph are we on? 28. 28. Sins are in bodies. They are not perceived in minds. They are not seen as purposes, but actions. Bodies act, and minds do not. And therefore must the body be at fault for what it does is not seen to be a passive thing, obeying your commands and doing nothing of itself at all. If you are sin, you are a body, for the mind acts not. And purpose must be in the body, not the mind. The body must act on its own and motivate itself. If you are sin, you lock the mind within the body and you give it purpose to its prison house, which acts instead of it. A jailer does not follow orders, but enforces orders on the prisoner. Thank you, Sandra. And Lori. Twenty-nine. It is the body, prisoner, and not the mind. The body thinks no thoughts. It has no power to learn, to pardon, nor enslave. It gives no orders that the mind needs serve, nor set conditions that it must obey. The body holds in prison but the willing mind that would abide in it. It sickens at the bidding of the mind that would become its prisoner. And it grows old and dies, 
because that mind is sick within itself. Learning is all that causes change. And so the body, where no learning can occur, could never change unless the mind preferred the body change in its appearances to suit the purpose given by the mind. For it can learn, and there is all change made. Thank you, Lord. Brand. 30. The mind that thinks it is a sin has but one purpose, that the body be the source of sin and keep it in the prison house it chose and guard and hold itself at bay, a sleeping prisoner to the snarling dogs of hate and evil, sickness and attack, of pain and age, of grief and suffering. Here are the thoughts of sacrifice preserved. For here guilt rules and orders that the world be like itself, a place where nothing can find mercy or survive the ravages of fear except in murder and in death. For here are you made sin, and sin cannot abide the joyous and the free, for they are enemies which sin must kill. In death is sin preserved, and those who think that they are sin must die for what they think they are. Thank you, Brad. Donna. Thirty-one. Let us be glad that you will see what you believe and that it has been given you to change what you believe. The body will but follow It can never lead you where you would not be. It does not guard your sleep nor interfere with your awakening. Release your body from imprisonment and you will see no more and you will see no one as prisoner to what you have escaped. You will not want to hold in guilt your chosen enemies nor keep in chains to the illusions of a changing love the ones you think are friends. Uh, Let me do. You will not want to hold in guilt your chosen enemies, nor keep in chains to the illusion of a changing love, the ones you think are friends. Thank you, Donna. And Yvonne. All right, thank you, Renoline. 32. The innocent release in gratitude for their release. And what they see upholds their freedom from imprisonment and death. Open your mind to the change, and there will be no ancient penalty exacted from your brother or yourself. For God has said, there is no sacrifice that can be asked. There is no sacrifice that can be made. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And uh, did you just call on me, Sandra? No, I just thanked Yvonne. Um, oh, okay. I guess I, I could say this: is, is there anyone who would like to uh, read paragraph thirty-two again? 
certainly. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think to open the just open the floor, but there's something that uh, I I don't know. You can consider this the wild hair or. You know, maybe a Thanksgiving gift. But in relation to that last paragraph, I'd like to read the first paragraph of practicing the holy instant about change of mind. Where it says, This course is not beyond immediate learning unless you prefer to believe that what God will take time. And this means only that you would rather delay the recognition that his will is so. The holy instant is this one and everyone. The one you want it to be, it is. The one you would not have it be, is lost be. You must decide on what it is. Delay it not, for beyond the past and future in which you will not find it, it stands in shimmering readiness your acceptance now yet you cannot bring it into glad awareness while you do not want it for it holds the whole release from littleness and uh, yeah I think I've wondered what what's this littleness and it is the belief that I'm a body that's what the littleness that I'm a sex and the fact of something that I created is kind of self-referential, not necessarily true, and in case false. <laughs> um, so, I'm not a body, I'm free, I remain as God created. And uh, I'll on that note. Before we have a little time before the top of the hour. I didn't quite catch what you said, Lemoyne. Did you say um We'll proceed to the top of the hour, or floor's open before the oh, top of the I hour. I said uh, floor's. I didn't say it that way. I'll say it that way. floor's open. We have a few minutes. Okay. Before the top of the hour. Well, then let me just say thank you for um, taking our minds back to the holy instant. This one, and this one, and this one. The one you would have it be. It is. Oh, what a perfect place to begin today. Thank you for that. I'm complete. Yeah, I love that. Thanks, Lori. Um, Because the holy instant is present all the time. It's just my, it's my wanting it. It's my choice. I have to want it in order to invoke the memory of the truth of who I am. I really have to want it. <laughs> I'm complete.
Yeah, I think it's excellent. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think the correlation is this thing of time that the release the ideas of sin and guilt and blame are all based on the past. They require a look back that is, is uh, you know, it it can be useful in the world of form. But it is not a proper place to look for who we are as beings who are alive and alive and present. So, um, on that note, I'd like to turn to you, Fran, for leading us to remember this. Okay. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're still on is what is creation? The lesson for today is lesson 328, I choose the second place to gain the first. So I shall read some from what is creation. Creation is the sum of all God's thoughts. In number infinite and everywhere, we're all limit, without all limit. Oh, let me read that again. <laughs> Creation is the sum of all God's thoughts in number infinite and everywhere without all limit. Only love creates and only like itself. God's thoughts are given all the power that their own creator has, for he would add to love by its extension. Creation is the opposite of all illusions, for creation is the truth. We are creation. We the sons of God. We seem to be discreet and unaware of our eternal unity with him. Yet back of all our doubts, past all our fears, there's still a certainty. For love remains with all its thought, its sureness being theirs. God's memory is in our holy minds, which know their oneness and their unity with their creator. Let our function be only to let this memory return, only to let God's will be done on earth, only to be restored to sanity and to be but as God created us. Our Father calls to us. I shall read the lesson now. Lesson 328. I choose the second place to gain the first. What seems to be the second place is first. For all things we perceive are upside down until we listen to the voice of God. It seems that we will gain autonomy, but by our striving to be separate and that our independence from the rest of God's creation is the way in which salvation is obtained. Yet all we find is sickness, suffering, and loss and death. This is not what our Father wills for us, nor is there any second to his will. To join with his is but to find our own. And since our will is his, it is to him that we must go to recognize our will. 
There is no will but yours, and I am glad that nothing I imagine contradicts what you would have me be. It is your will that I be wholly safe, eternally at peace. And happily, I share that will which you, my Father, gave as part of me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 328. I choose the second place to gain the first. There is no will but yours, and I am glad that nothing I imagine contradicts what you will have me be. It is your will that I be wholly safe, eternally at peace, and happily I share that will which you, my Father, gave as part of me. Lesson 328, I choose the second place to gain the first. Amen. And happy Thanksgiving. Perfect. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for him. I love you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Sorry, are we starting? Did I interrupt? No. Okay, I wasn't sure if we started. All of a sudden, (laughs) okay. Um, When I did this meditation this morning with Reverend Pam, what I felt was when we go into the empty place, that's the second place, the emptiness where there's no agenda, where there's no ego, where there's no uh, ego um, striving. Yeah, no ego striving, even spiritual striving, that is, all striving, um, that's generated by the ego is this empty place of stillness, this empty place where Holy Spirit just 
flows through us. And um, we are one with God's will. But no mind, no ego mind, even in hearing. Am I always going to be second place to your working at the South? Go ahead, Karen. Thank you. Um, so the, um, the emptiness that the Buddhists talk about is that place. I need do nothing in stillness and in emptiness. That's the second place where God just flows through us. And our ego mind is completely sublimated, completely. Um, so that was a really great takeaway, in my opinion, from the meditation this morning. And then, um, Jessica, I bow to you. Your share this morning turned my head upside down because you sort of described it more literally. And what I what I got from that was, um, you know, when you rush to the front of the line or you, you know, exercise some willfulness to get somewhere in the world. And um, so I was reminded when I was in India and also when I was on tour on staff with AMA in the United States, um, there are 300 people on tour on staff in the United States. And we would get to a hotel and there would be like 10 people that would go into a hotel room. And the old timers, the people who are really savvy, they'd run to the room and throw down their sleeping bags in the absolute best places, you know. And the, those of us that were newer on the tour didn't know that, you know, that was the deal. So when you get to the room, there's no place on the floor except next to the toilet, which happened to me in India. And um, on the Indian tour, it's even worse because people bring these tents and they put them down. And um, they put them down in the room because they have mosquito netting around them. But the people who are not savvy on these tours and newcomers like I was, um, we have to be next to the wall so you can hook up a mosquito net to something like a window or tie it to something. So one time I walked into the room that we were sharing and it was like 30 Westerners, but, you know, half of them had these big, huge tents and they got there first and they laid everything. And I got so upset that I had no place to put my my little sleeping bag and my little net, you know, so that I could not be eaten alive by mosquitoes that I went home. And it was just so funny because it's such a... It, to me, it feels like such a symbol for the Course in Miracles or such a um, a spiritual uh, example. I didn't have a lot of friends when I was growing up, so I didn't get a lot of social learning. And so when I was in my first spiritual community, all my social learning occurred. And in that community, everybody was so kind and so gentle and so considerate and so peaceful, it was really great. But when I went to India with this guru, the social learning is like the course. It's like, don't buy into the appearances. But I didn't understand that then. I understand it now. Now, if I had this to do over, I wouldn't let my body's eyes tell me that it was okay to get 
into the fight for the space on the floor. <laughs> I don't even know if this is making any sense, but it was just such a, oh, yeah. a turnaround from what I had been thinking about, you know, the lesson today until Jessica brought it down to earth. And then I thought, you know, that's what the Course is teaching us. If I had been patient and been in stillness and just said, well, if I'm next to the toilet again, I'm next to the toilet, you know, which is really the worst place you want to be, you know, because it's a drain. It's not even an actual sit-down toilet, right? (laughs) Anyway, the point is um, I won't let my body's eyes deceive me. I will trust. I'll just be in that open place instead of that contracted, egoic, I have to, you know, I have to strive for something. I have to be, you know, assertive. That's not what this is about. This is about absolutely being in the trust, in the openness, in the softness, in the stillness of the divine. And know that, you know, Wherever you are, if you're in the physical appearance of a bad spot, that's not really a bad spot. That's just the body's um, perception, associations, judgments, blah, 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 about that. But ultimately, I had a friend on the Indian tour, and she used to always walk in the room last, you know, and she used to always get to have to be by the door, which is the next worst place to be because people will always trip over you when they come in and out all night or, you know. But she was in the most bliss. It was like the grace that she was in, that that experience didn't touch her at all, not at all, because she was completely content to be wherever the divine put her. Um, I don't know if I went on too long, but it was, you know, a really uh, sweet insight this morning. Thank you. I'm complete. That was down to earth. Not at all. Just beautiful, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you, Karen. Um, your story reminded me, this is Ida, your story reminded me of a story. I'm not going to tell the story, but the, um, what you learned um, from this lesson today and applying it back to your travels could have stood me in good stead on some of my travels some many years ago, uh, 30-something years ago. Uh, if I would have been like that, was content to be where the divine put me, I would have had a lot less suffering. But sometimes I guess we have to go through it the hard way in order to eventually learn that there is much better way and an easier way if we just let go and let God. 
Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Well said, Ida. Thank you. Okay, I, I, one more thing I would love to add. Um, about the reading today, we always see our brother's sins, quote-unquote sins, and um, it's really about the things that we feel guilty for. And that is so true. Um, ironically, I have a person in my life who is demonstrating constantly now the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And it's just, it's very close to the family. And, you know, it's substance abuse. And I don't know how to forgive myself so that I can let him go. But I know that that's what the Course is telling me I need to do. So I don't really know where I haven't forgiven myself, but I'm very grateful that um, my brother is playing along to show me where my own healing lies and so I can release him. I'm complete. That is a very wise recognition. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. And uh, I have to say that this awareness that I don't hate my brother, brothers or sisters for their sins I hate them for mine, is um, something that I learned even before I read the book, that um, if I've got one finger pointing in accusation or in blame for my discomfort, my dis-ease within myself, the problem, the spiritual problem is within me. It's not outside of me. And... um, You know, this really brings it home in a way that um, the Course teaches us that um, we project what we want to get rid of. And and when when we've accepted, become aware of this disease that I have within myself, that that this self-hatred is what I'm trying to, to project out on others in order not to acknowledge it or to keep it hidden um, and not be aware of it within myself, or even unconsciously. You know, I mean, we do these things unconsciously. Um, that That's why that finger-pointing and, and accusing and blaming became a real facilitator for me in my own healing. And it says in the Course that, um, you know, we... We don't know who and what we are until we get rid of this self-concept of us being bodies, that we're in bodies. And the only way that the Holy Spirit could teach me that was by recognizing all my, all my seeing with my body's eyes is always outside of myself. It never looks within to find myself you know it's so busy looking being the seer and seeing objects of perception and that's why this teaching was so 
helpful to me because it turned me inward and, and enabled me to see how I was seeing the world not necessarily as it was, but as I was. And that's what the Course teaches us. We learn to look inward first. And, Lori, thank you for that really simple, beautiful little parable you told us <laughs> about cleaning the windows. i got to clean my eyes. i got to clean my heart. But this is the way we do it, through looking outward first and then recognizing the dis-ease that I have with anything that I see outside of myself is, is me disturbing my own peace, whether consciously or unconsciously, whether I'm aware of it or not. But the, this awakening is awakening to the awareness of who and what I am in truth. And who and what I am in truth is peace, peaceful, gentle, loving, kind, but I can't be who and what I am, that peace, love, kindness, if my peace is disturbed by hidden, hidden thoughts, you know, be they hidden or not, they are hidden until I become aware of them. And this lesson, you never hate others for their sins, you know, this whole giving up perception, it's like really the, what perception's all about. I see the world as I am, not as it is. And there's no, there's no sin or evil in the world that isn't cured by love and light, forgiveness. In this lesson, it's, it speaks of taking second place in order to know the first. I'm, 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 second place is in the beginning of my journey, you know, in a place going, how far do I have to go to be myself? There's nowhere for me to go. I have to look inside myself and feel and be and know my own heart and my own mind. So this looking out and looking back in is, is essential, and, the, and the, the forgiveness is our function here until we're restored to being how God created us to be. To, to create like God is to, to share the love that he shared with me, the perfect love that he shared with me with everything that I see. That's what creation is, the extension of God's loving thought. Eternally. Joy and joy eternally. Always here and always now. Changelessly. The text talks about that love without, without change that I would have for my friends, that everybody's my friend, unless, say, I make them an enemy because they're, they're too much like me and I don't want to admit it. But we have to see, we have to see ourselves truly, honestly, unhypocritically, not glazing it over with some, I am holy and I know it because God created me that way when in fact I'm a hypocrite and a liar and selfish and self-centered and pushing people out of the way so I can be personal and look good, whatever. But we all know that part. The part is to be aware without judgment of myself, without criticism of myself, 
and just to, to shine the light on it and say, I see that, I know that, I know who and what I am. And is this how I want to be? No. So change. This is how I learn about who and what I am. It's the simplest, but it's not easy, and it takes courage. <laughs> courage means to have heart. <laughs> so let's have heart, and let's be thankful for God created us perfect and purely innocent in this brand-new, fresh moment, whether we can see ourselves that way or not. I love you all, and thank you for listening and learning with me. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Morning. This is Sandra. And I choose the second place to gain the first. And this, for me, is is about really the holy instant, um, which um, was brought. I think. Um, oh God, I keep going. Uh, I, 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 the, the, your name is on my is on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. Anyway, he's our facilitator today, Lemoyne. <laughs> Lemoyne, good God. <laughs> So thank you, Lemoyne, for bringing up the Holy Instant. Um, because it's in the memory of the truth of who I am that I can go into second place. And, and what that's talking about is that I put the body in, in second place and the body's needs in second place. Because the, the truth is I'm having a body experience. And because I'm having a body experience and this body needs has needs. It, ha- it needs food, it needs water, it needs air. It has needs. Spirit has no needs. <laughs> so as soon as I identify with being a body, then I start identifying with my needs, and then I start judging whether my needs are being met or not, and judging those who are not meeting my needs. Well, everybody knows the whole the process, the, the pattern. And I don't need to do that because I know that I am spirit. I am not a body. And as soon as I remember that, that I am not a body, I am free. What am I? I am one with my creator. I am the Christ here on this planet. And so I'm here to extend love. I'm not here to receive love. I'm here to extend love. I may receive love from other beings, but I may not. But as long as I'm extending that love, then I've fulfilled my purpose. And I will and, and that's the other thing is to absolute to this this lesson requires that I have trust that all my needs will be met even though it may not feel like it in the moment. That at some per point and that's why I can go into second place quite easily. Um understanding that all my needs will be met, my bodily needs will be met if I remember the truth of who I am and when I remember the truth of who I am. Um, And I can also transcend bodily needs if I choose. I can heal this body using my mind if I choose. 
I can heal this body using my mind and using other and supplementation of other things too. It might be might need to be the going to the medical profession and taking something, or it may not. Um, it it it's different for everybody, but there's that trust there. There is that trust. There has to be that trust. I believe in order for me to choose the second place to gain the first, there has to be the trust. I'm just speaking for myself that all my needs will be met at some point. And there has to be the faith and the patience that it'll, it'll happen in the perfect timing and I don't have to worry about a thing. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. That was just really so helpful. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, and I'd thank you for that, even if you didn't remember my name. <laughs> this is Donna. <clears throat> and it's so beautiful. Um, I'm in a foreign country with people I don't know. <laughs> And that means I'm in Kentucky with my siblings. (laughs) And it's so absolutely amazing to, Scripture tells us the word is life. It's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And the words of these lessons that I have listened to um, since I arrived here, I'm now living living them in the timeless now. It's so extraordinary. Uh, and and the, at least the first four paragraphs today made me aware that the body pays for our misthoughts and uh, actually also serves as a wake-up alarm call for our awareness. And I came down... Uh, to find uh, a couple of siblings and stay with them a few days. And I have awakened to see I have found two Christs. I am complete. That's beautiful, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna.
Yes, thank you, Donna. You got right down to the reason for the season. Mr. Castle. <laughs> hmm? I want to thank you for um, giving us three read the last paragraph where it speaks of sacrifice. And um, I've come to equate that word sacrifice with, um, for there is no sacrifice um, in God, that he asks no one to sacrifice anything. The idea, the concept that no one can deprive me of anything except myself that the kingdom of God is mine, that the kingdom of God is everyone's, given equally to everyone, as God gave himself to each and one of each and every one of us, um, that the part is in the whole, and every part has the whole, and that the only sacrifice, the only one that I, I that, that can sacrifice is myself. I can sacrifice knowing the totality of my reality. I can sacrifice my knowing I am the kingdom of God, that he has given me everything. It's already been given. It's already been done. And the perfect love that he gave that to me in is, the, is, is how I was created to know that. His perfect love was given to me and given to everything. And the extension of that is creation, the create the constant, constant creation of loving thoughts, loving itself as itself, that changelessness that's always already here and already present. So I love that when that word sacrifice comes up. The, um, the end. I'll stop there. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And happy Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for um, the sunship today. And I've been, um, well, I've been asked to tell another story this morning. It's that simple. So if you bear, bear with me for a minute, I'll read it. Um, because it's written so perfectly. And then I'll tell you what it means to me. It's the story, and it's a true thing in in animal uh, husbandry, that there are little lambs that are called bummers. (laughs) And it comes about like this. Every once in a while, you will give birth to a lamb and reject it. There are many reasons she may do this if the lamb is returned to the ewe the mother may even kick the poor animal away once a ewe rejects one of her lambs she will never change her mind these little lambs hang their heads so low that it looks like something's wrong with their neck their spirit is broken these lambs are called bummer lambs unless the shepherd intervenes the lamb will die rejected and alone so what the shepherd does is this he takes the little rejected one into his home and feeds it and keeps it warm by the fire he'll wrap it up with blankets and hold it to his chest so the bummer can hear his heartbeat 
Once the lamb is strong enough, the shepherd will place it back in the field with the rest of the flock. But that sheep never forgets how the shepherd cared for him when his mother rejected him. When the shepherd calls for the flock, guess who runs to him first? That's right, the little bummer sheep. He knows his voice intimately. It is not that the bummer lamb is loved more. It just knows intimately the one who loves it. It's not that it is loved more. It just believes it because it has experienced that love one-on-one. So many of us are bummer lambs, rejected and broken. But he, Christ, is the good shepherd. He cares for our every need and holds us close to his heart so we can hear his heartbeat. We may be broken, but we are deeply loved by the shepherd. And what that story means to me is it's the relationship with Christ, the one mind that we share, um, that heals me of that sense of condemnation and lack, regardless of how it came about, that doesn't matter. The fact that it came about is what's wrong. And when I am healed in his sight, when I recognize that salvation comes from my one self, thank you for that, Sandra. Salvation comes from my one self. I'm no longer two selves in conflict. I'm no longer an ego self and a, and a higher self. The ego self fades and higher self, Holy Spirit, I'm spirit, um, is allowed to step forward. And it's all because of that relationship. So when I, um, and I do, I do this, you know, I do this. I have relationships that suffer because of my beliefs. And, and when I'm um, looking at that relationship, it's not the relationship that has a problem. It's the fact that I have uh, dirt on my window. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm seeing through a shadow that I cast with my own mind. Forgiveness is for my mind. It's for my mind only. It's what removes the shadow from my mind and restores me to right relationship with my higher mind, my good shepherd, my Lord, my love, my life. Seeing through that relationship is seen through a healed mind and um, and this is this is why it's so important that I recognize only the self-accused condemn um, the little bummer sheep is so hurt so wounded so uh, rejected and believes in that wound and rejection so thoroughly that without intervention by Holy Spirit without intervention by the shepherd um, it can't release that wound 
but when held close and in the embrace of the one mind, the wound is healed. And when the wound is healed, the spirit's healed. And then I can celebrate that beautiful lesson, spirit of mine, the holy son of God, safe and healed and all, free to forgive, free to save the world. You see, the world is only a reflection of everything I believe about myself. And in that right relationship with Christ's mind, my innocence is restored to me. My error is corrected. It's only my mind error, my belief that sin is possible. What is sin except except a one-word description for all the ways that ego would deny perfection, innocence, and holiness. You know, it's a belief in illusion. That's all. In right relationship with the one mind, um, it disappears. It's just gone. That idea is able to leave my mind. You know, he says, ideas leave not their source. I need a mind correction for that idea to be healed. And when it's healed, I'll no longer condemn myself. And if I don't condemn myself, I have no condemnation to um, place on anyone else. That's the healing of my mind. The whole, you know, I got a little, got a little uh, speed bumpy through the middle of this. If you think you're a mind, you're a sin. Or if you think you're a body, you're a sin and, and all that. All he's, all he's saying is that ego and body are part of the same illusion. Ego body are the same illusion. It's the prison house. It's the idea of rejection and loneliness and separation and guilt. Those ideas are healed in the embrace with one mind and now my mind is free my mind is free to serve spirit it's no longer holding the belief this is the trouble that I'm hostage to ego I'm host to God and um, with that um, is the restoration of holiness and I think the place I wanted to um, finish all this, uh, just to take it back to miracle principles. Wholeness, he says, is the perceptual content of miracles. A miracle is always for my mind, because there is only one mind, you see. I, to share a miracle means to look out from my miracle mind and see the truth everywhere. A miracle isn't something that, that um, you know, is going to work a wonder that the body's eyes can see. It's all in the mind. And it's all for my mind. It's the perceptual content of wholeness. And he says the way, the way to perceive holiness or the way to come to a right response to everything 
especially you and you and you, is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holiness of others. To forgive myself, I need that right relationship with the one who represents the resurrected mind, the mind in which there is no death, there's only the relationship of the Son to the Father. Christ came to restore my will to me. That's the only gift he has to give me, is my true will. And my true will is a state of mind with oneness, with him. And from that place, I'll look out and see the holiness of everything. And love will be my natural response. This is how my mind was healed, and I'm happy to say it's true today. I'm complete. Thanks for that, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. What a moving and heartfelt story about the land. I never knew it before. Thanks again. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that really lays bare the perfection of the metaphor of Christ as shepherd, rescuing the ones that are separate and alone. Thank you.
Well, this is Lori again. <laughs> I have a little more to say about um, about this embrace and about this lesson. I choose choose the second place to gain the first. Um, you know, there's in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told the story. Or, um, gave us several truths. One of them is the meek shall inherit the earth. And it's been debated long and hard about what that means, about what the meek is. But I so, so, so love the Course in Miracles for its clarification. It's especially clarified in um, littleness versus magnitude. And in this chapter, this chapter soars with what's the difference between littleness and magnitude. And, and in the later sections of this chapter, it says you always choose between your weakness and the strength of Christ in you. And, and at the same time he's telling us that in the text, he ends the workbook with, what am I? Well, it's not quite at the same time, but... Um, you know, I am God's sun shining in the reflection of his love. And in the what am I, uh, there is no ego there. It's, it's just not there. Um, because I've released all the ideas uh, that made it. All the belief in littleness. My own littleness. Um, and so to choose the second place, to be meek, is to recognize that of myself I can do nothing. Um, and I am not myself. <laughs> I don't belong to me at all. I belong to God. I'm host to God. And in this work, of everything that he says about the recognition of holiness and and from littleness to magnitude is exactly what today's lesson is saying. It's only the ego that believes in littleness. It's my false ideas about myself um, that gave me those impressions. And when I release those false ideas about myself, um, I'm restored to right relationship with my father. Magnitude. He says, you're not saved from anything. You're saved for glory. Glory is the right of the soul. Glory is your inheritance. Um, so to choose the second place is the same as um, what he says in, I think it's lesson 156, where he says, this is the way salvation works. As you step back, the light in you steps forward. Um, and the same in lesson 159, uh, Christ's vision is the source of all miracles. I give the miracles I have received is that lesson. Um, those things speak to the falseness of the ego identity and the truth of the identity of soul, the Christ mind. So to choose the second place is to say, I don't know. I don't know what anything means. I don't know what I am. I don't know what you are. Uh, please reveal the truth of this to me, to my mind. It is no more uh, complicated than that. I choose the second place 
I don't know. Restore me to right relationship to this, whatever this is. Show me the meaning of this. I want to be told. I want to know the truth because I don't know. Um, magnitude is the right of the soul and is our inheritance. That's what he means to me by the first. I choose the second place to gain the first. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Lori. Really beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Lori. This is Donna, and I just sitting here in the sun feeling extremely grateful that the Holy Spirit's led me to people who are seeking to live this first. It's very helpful to me. I travel, quote-unquote, alone um, in in this, quote-unquote, world, and uh, you're always a blessing to me, even even if I miss the lesson. I am complete. Thank you. Thanks, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Oh, it's almost 11. I'll wait.
Well, thanks. <clears throat> thanks for the reminder, Judy. I love, Lori, you're reminding um, me that in order to learn, I have to first recognize that I don't know something. <laughs> because if I think I know, then I don't, my mind's not going to be open enough to listen, to hear, and to learn. So that's, that's very valuable. Um, that this, this course, or this part of the text, speaks of purpose. The purpose of the mind, and that's something else you often speak of, Lori, which I I honor and appreciate. The um, what is my purpose here? What is my function here? And you know the gentle undoing of the ego in the way that the Holy Spirit does it is is in um, you know gently turning me back to the thought system of the kingdom of God to the to the thinking how God would have me think instead of how the ego thought system works which has made the world what it is a dream of fear a dream of cruelty of attack and um, for all its goodness that can be seen um, it's still an insane world and to recognize the insanity of the ego ego is to willingly join my will with God's in order to, to relinquish it and give it up and therefore realign my will with God's and that's you know the recognition of taking second place in order to know and find my first place in heaven in the kingdom with God as my true self in peace and joy and love and the, um, the innocent release and gratitude for their release I really contemplated that this morning and 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 gratitude for my innocence you know holy happy thanksgiving you know that I'm created perfect and eternally pure spirit and what does that mean to me does that have value to me how do I value that and I value that by trying to teach it trying to to manifest the Christ in me in the world, to extend loving thoughts and peaceful thoughts, try to bring peace where there is, where there is um, disease or, or argument or war, and, you know, to bring a sense of humor. I really believe laughter is the music of the soul. It takes all the seriousness out of us, all the pretense, pretension, and um, pretending that we're something that we not, we're not and having to defend it. So, um, you know, the purpose, the purpose of the mind is God created us in light and love and peace and joy and, and innocence, the innocence that that's what everybody wants, whether they know it or not. That's what everybody wills, but they, whether they know it or not. That's what everybody wishes, whether they know it or not. Whether they're seeking to find it outside themselves or if, if, or if we've come to, 
to have enough clarity of sight, of vision, of mind, in order to see that we have to find it within ourselves. So I'm so grateful for you all in this call, in this book, and for God creating me um, in complete and total release from anything ever I thought I did wrong or bad or evil, that um, it's gone and passed forever. The past is gone. There's only the eternal present here and now where I can always instantaneously save myself from thinking I'm something other than perfect. Here I go. Here I go. <laughs> I hope you guys have a good turkey day. And if not turkey, then something else that makes you happy <laughs> or you think makes you happy anyhow. Good day. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I just feel called to say that that innocence is what we already are. And, uh, yeah, oh, why change is a blessing, even though it's, uh, you know, like forgiveness might just be undoing, a, only undoing illusion. Uh, that, that shared the last sentence and practicing the holy instant, which I think is a is a fair statement of the purpose of the course. To make us ready to acknowledge that we are host to God and hostage to no one and nothing. And Laurie, uh, do you have a closing question? share for the end of the court. Sorry, I was on, on uh, mute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he I says... <laughs> we're in the kitchen. <laughs> no, no. I'm getting ready to go there, though. Um, okay, so here we go. Soul is in a state of grace forever. Man's only reality is his soul. How about this? The calm being of God's kingdom, which in your sane mind is perfectly conscious, is ruthlessly banished from the part of the mind which the ego rules. 
ego is desperate because it opposes literally invincible odds whether you're asleep or awake consider how much vigilance you've been willing to exert to protect your ego and how little you've been willing to expend to protect your higher mind who but the insane would undertake to believe what is not true and then protect this belief at the cost of truth uh, let's see here we go here's my favorite part in recognition that we can change our mind we've said that you cannot change your mind by changing your behavior but we've also said and many times before that you can change your mind when your mood tells you that you've chosen wrongly and this is so whenever you are not joyous then no this need not be in every case you've thought wrongly about some soul that God created and are perceiving images your ego makes in a darkened glass think honestly what you have thought that God would not have thought and what you have not thought that God would have you think search sincerely for what you have done and left undone accordingly and then change your mind to think with God and the reason I felt that to be the most perfect closing because this is one of those sections in which he asks he asks the mind to answer honest questions if you look at paragraph 27 it's all questions ego doesn't ask questions but reason can tell me the truth when I open my mind with a question hmm, how about that think honestly um, and in light of that uh, we will all be returned to the knowledge of the soul and its perfect creation amen amen amen, amen. thank you Lori. thank you guys amen thank you all thank you everybody what a wonderful call Thank you.